passage this morning is in Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of the disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is karban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. Thank you, Terry. Good morning. One of the wonders of the world and a place that is visited often is the Angkor Wat Temple in Cambodia. People trek from all over the world to come to this place. It is considered heaven on earth. It's an earthly representation of Mount Meru, which would be like Mount Olympus to the Greeks. It's where the gods live. And people come and trek, and, and there's many stairs to get there, to get to the temple. And as you get to the upper temple, there's more stairs to get there. And they are at a 70-degree angle. CNN did a report of the most dangerous, scariest stairs to try to climb, and highlighted was this temple and these stairs. And yet people, in their efforts to get to the uppermost temple, will climb these stairs. And they go and they continue and many fall and, and they try to make it to the upper temple to get to the gods, to get to heaven. The guides, as they speak to those climbing the stairs, say, the reason these stairs were made so steep is to remind people that heaven is hard to reach. You see, for those who are seekers of righteousness, where the seeking of righteousness is their religion, and that they must arrive there on their own, in their own strength, they keep climbing the stairs, thinking this draws them closer to the gods or to God. 
to the heavens. And not only do they continue climbing, but as they are climbing, they look down at those at the base of the stairs who are just praying, and they judge those, saying, what efforts are you making? You are failing in righteousness. You must climb the thousand steps to reach the heavens and draw close to God. And so they continue to climb with arrogance and with judgment, with great pride in their efforts, and then they reach the top and they give their offerings and their sacrifices and their prayers, thinking that they've pleased God. And the Lord says in the Scriptures, that's not what I want. I want your heart. I don't want all this effort. I don't want all this lip service. I want your heart. Will you allow me to transform your heart? And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. All these efforts that are made, all these things that are poured out upon people to somehow become righteous. And yet God is wanting, doing, is wanting to do a heart transformation. So let's pray that this morning, that God will do that. Father, I just thank you for your word, and I thank you for how much you love us. We are broken sinners in need of a Savior, and you are the Savior. And you give us life as we believe upon you, and we thank you for that. And it's by faith that we're saved, not through our efforts, so that no man can boast. But it's through our surrender unto you that we have life and that we are drawn close. And so, Father, do whatever work you need to do in our hearts this morning. For those of us who are judgmental, for those of us who feel like our righteousness comes from our, our efforts, For those of us who are just giving you lip service, would your Holy Spirit draw that out in us? And and Father, forgive us for that. We do want to draw close to you, and we do want to please you. But may we please you with our obedience and with our surrendered hearts unto you. Amen. Well, I was really excited about this service this morning and, and getting prepared for it. And I wanted to make sure that we could really enter into the service and that we were clean before we began. And so I brought this double sterilized uh, bowl and we have uh, purified uh, water in here. Uh, that, this is not tap water. This came, came out of a very uh, clean system. And then uh, white, white paper towels just out of the wrapper. So they've been wrapped in plastic uh, all morning. Nothing has touched these except my holy hands, which are clean. And, and one of the things that we realized as we came into service is that some of you in this service are not clean this morning, Ted. <laughs> and uh, we know that you had that donut and uh, that you didn't, um, you didn't clean after that. And so we, in order to engage, we need you to uh, wash. And, uh, yeah, that's, no, much more, Ted. <laughs> get, get really, yeah, the, the tops. Okay. Good. A little bit. Yeah. And really? What? More. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Here, why don't we dry off there, Ted? And uh, the reality is uh, you're still incredibly unclean. I think, I think your wife knows that. Ushers, we, um, we have a cleanup on aisle three. Uh, unclean. Unclean. And the body of Christ, if we'll recognize, and unclean, unclean. Ted, you need to clean up and dry off. You need to to dry off. And we need to have uh, Ted removed from the service because we are not able 
to engage and draw close to God. And this is what the Pharisees were doing. They're coming into town. They're coming from Jerusalem. Oh, of course, they are close to God. And they're coming to the people who are following Jesus and saying, wait a second, how is it that you come and you come into eating and you come into the presence of God and yet you do so with unclean hands? And so they laid all of these washing practices. They were the righteous ones. We will teach you very clearly how to become clean. And here are all the rules, and here's the thousand steps that you need to follow in order to draw close to God. It wasn't supposed to be easy to draw near to the Lord, and so let us put these laws down. The scribes and the Pharisees accused the disciples of eating with what they call common hands in the, in the Greek language. Common hands basically meant that they were unclean hands, they were not Ordinary in the sense that they were ordinary in the sense they were not sacred unto God. And what they're dealing with here is ceremonially unclean hands that Ted would not be considered worthy of worshiping the Lord and entering into his presence because he had not washed properly. He didn't follow the thousand steps to get in the door. Hand washing, not for just hygiene, but for ceremonial ceremonial cleanness. And what would happen between each course, there would have to be a washing of the hands and it would have to be done in a certain way. There couldn't be sand or mortar on the hands, any sort of dirt that was happening. The jars that they would get the water from had to be stone jars that were clean and purified, declared sacred and set apart and they they couldn't get any sort of uh, any sort of anything in the in the water itself if anything dropped into the water they'd have to pour out that holy water and fill it again with holy water so it could be used for cleansing and this was done between each ceremony each type of eating that would go on so that they as a person would be clean before god And so what they would do is they would take the hands and they would have them upward. The minimum amount of water that you could have was what they would call uh, an eggshell and a half of water. That was the minimum amount. And it would pour from the top of the hands and come down the wrist. And then you would take one hand and with a fist you would... You would dry your hand like this. But the reality is one of the other hands is unclean. So then you'd have to take your hands and point them downward. And then you'd pour the water starting from above the wrist and let it pour down and drip off to the end of the fingers and come off. And then you would take a clean towel and dry your hands. And there you would be clean. You would be fit for service. You would be before the Lord pure and worthy to come in. And this is what the Pharisees are coming into town saying, you're not doing this. To fail to do this in the Jewish eyes was not to be guilty of bad manners. It was not to be dirty in any health sense. It was to be unclean in the sight of God. Do you see the weight of that? The thousand stairs you must climb. And they were trying to basically 
lay all these burdens and their traditions and their laws upon those who are seeking after Christ and wanting to follow Him in obedience. And and what they were doing, really, is keeping them away from God. It wasn't what any could accomplish. You could. You could keep trying and trying and trying. Climb the thousand stairs. And if you were unclean like this, what the Pharisees were teaching was, now you're open up to the attacks of the demon, Shipta who would attack your life. And you were opened up to poverty and you were opened up to destruction and terrible things would come into your life if you were unclean like this. One Orthodox, one, one rabbi was, was buried and before he died, he hadn't washed properly. And so they basically excommunicated him out of the church and they buried him outside of the community because on his deathbed he didn't wash properly. Another devout rabbi who was put into prison by the Romans and who was dying of thirst was given water. And instead of drinking the water to live, he washed so that he would be clean before God. This is the laws that were coming down and the Pharisees are coming down and saying, this is religion. It's my ritual ceremonially and it's regulations. They consider this to be the essence of of service unto God. And now we need to make sure that Ted is doing that. And that was the weight, and those were the stairs to climb. Ethical religion, moral religion, was buried under a mass of taboos and rules. And it kept going on and on, right? In verse 4 it says, when they would come out of the marketplace, they would wash as well. You see, when you go into the marketplace, everything's unclean. You've got hygiene that's unclean. You have, you have Gentiles everywhere. They're unclean. How dare you touch a Gentile as a Jew? And so literally, these Jews, these Pharisees, these scribes, when they would leave the marketplace, they would go home and they would absolutely cover their whole bodies in cleansing water. It had to be a full immersion bath to get off all of the ick of the marketplace that made them unclean. And then it went to the, the bowls and the, and, the, and the utensils that they would use. These would become unclean. And there was only certain types you could use. And, and plates that were, were flat and had no rim, those, those would never be defiled. But if you had a plate that had a rim on it and it was touched by unclean hands, then it was defiled and it was unclean. And so therefore you had to take that plate and you had to smash it against the wall, and then you had to make sure you got all, up, all the particles up, and those were burned so that there would be cleanliness. And all of the pots, you would have certain pots where on the outside you could touch that. Inside, if the inside got unclean, again, something dropped in the water, then it's totally the whole pot's unclean, and you had to break it against the wall. These are the things that went on and on, and the stairs that you had to climb. Things made of metal could become unclean, except a door, a bolt, a lock, a hinge, a knocker, and the gutters. Those are the things that were not unclean. Do you see what Jesus was facing into? Do you see what the Lord was having to deal with as he's trying to draw people unto himself, that they would know life, that they would have salvation? And then the Pharisees are coming down, and they're saying, there's a lot of stairs that you need to climb. And you are unclean. How dare you? 
You are not worthy of coming into the presence of God. How dare you? And Jesus deals with them. Again, to them, there was this incredible gap between the teachings of Jesus and the laws of the land of the Pharisees. They saw ritual and ceremony, rules and regulations. That is pleasing God. And yet for Jesus, religion, life in God was by loving God and loving our fellow man. That was the gap. Mark Golley, in his book, Jesus, Mean and Wild, he says this, The difference between Jesus' holiness ethic and that of the Pharisees is this. The Pharisees refuse to touch any unclean thing. But Jesus aims to make the unclean holy. You see, Jesus touches even Ted. And Jesus touches you and me. All that is unclean, he longs to make holy, pure, and he draws us into his presence. That's what Jesus is and what he taught. And he's going to challenge these Pharisees who are trying to make us climb a thousand steps to righteousness. And he's really going to help us, I think, as followers of Christ, to have a heart check on what it looks like for us. Do we, do we tend to, are we drawn to becoming like the Pharisees where we are judging one another in our righteousness? and not allowing people to draw close to Christ because we're keeping them at bay by our words, our actions, or the way we treat them. And Jesus responds. He's not politically correct, is he here? Hey, you bunch of hypocrites. How dare you? Isaiah spoke really clearly about you guys. You know, you you give a bunch of lip service, but your hearts are far away from God. You've, You've started to... Take the laws of God, and now and so you're putting those aside and you're following the traditions of men. Here's the accusation of Jesus against the Pharisees who are making people climb a thousand steps. How dare you, you hypocrites? Hypocrites is one who is an actor, one who is two-faced. One where, again, they, they act out all of these things and they actually believe that they're good that they're good people. They actually believe in their hearts that that they're good. And their actions are evil, really. And they're trying to cover their practices. No matter what's in their heart and what their thoughts are like, and the Lord is doing a heart check on the Pharisees, on you and me. Tim Keller does a paraphrase, uh, and he he paraphrases an analogy that C.S. Lewis used Uh, in his book, Mere Christianity. It deals with rats in the cellar. He says, you know, when you go to see if you have rats in your cellar, you don't decide, hey, I'm going to go look now and see if I have rats in my cellar. And so I'm going to stand at the top of the stairs and I will clear my throat and say, I am going to look for rats in the cellar. And then I open the door very loudly And I flick on the light at the top of the stairs. And I say, I'm now going to go down the stairs to see if there are rats in the cellar. And then I go down the stairs and I make loud stomping noises as I come down. And I get to the bottom of the stairs and I look around the cellar 
and I say to myself, Ah, look, there are no rats in my cellar. And the man climbs back up the stairs, thinking his life is good, because he has no rats in his cellar, but he'll be quick enough to tell his neighbor that he has rats in his. Lewis comments on this, and he says, Surely what a man does when he's taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. Surely what pops out before the man has time to put on his disguise is the truth. I think the Lord wants us to deal with rats in our cellar. And to become like David who prayed in Psalm 139, O Lord, search me and know me. Would you, O Father, reveal any way in me that is not pleasing to you? And the Lord is wanting us to get out of this hypocrisy, thinking we have no rats in the cellar. And then all of a sudden, accusing everybody, we know Ted has his rats. Unclean. Unworthy. Not able to come into the presence of God. It mattered to the Jews. They were very serious about it. The Jew, during this time, the Pharisee might, with all of his heart, be full of envy and jealousy, bitterness and pride. But that didn't matter so long as he washed his hands properly. Do you see what's going on? And Jesus is dealing right with it. You hypocrites. This is not what God has for life. This is not what pleasing God looks like. And he accuses them of being two-faced, of acting out. And then he accuses them of, of taking the tradition of men and replacing it for the law of God. You have the Ten Commandments. You have the law of God. And now we're going to take that, but we're going to replace it. We're going to add to it. Here's a thousand steps you need to do in order to please God. And they're going to add all of these shackles and this weight upon those who want to know Jesus, who want to follow God. And so he says, let me give you an example of that. You declare something korban. You declare something, basically, what what korban was, was that which was dedicated unto God. If you declared something korban, that means it's solely for the purposes of God, whether that be money or things or whatever. If it was declared that, it's solely to be used for the purposes of God. Now, God gave us in the Ten Commandments, he said, honor your father and mother, But you've put in your tradition this idea of korban. I didn't put that in there. You did. And here's what's happening. You are starting to to say to your parents, I'm seeing it in your communities, and you're doing many other things that are terrible like this. But what you're saying is, here's some money that I was going to use to help my family. But you know what? I don't really like my mom and dad right now. And so I'm going to declare this money korban. And so they totally neglect the care of their parents. Do you see what's happening? You have taken the tradition of men, and the Pharisees would say, this is fine. Because that's dedicated unto God. And yet your parents have no place to sleep. And so the heart is wicked. But I wash my hands properly. I I, I declared it korban. That's, That's in the laws, our tradition of men. And so I'm acting out On the outside, what is religious, and I'm climbing these thousand stairs, look at me, but you're unclean. And God's wanting to do through Jesus 
this digging into the heart and do heart surgery. And he's calling what is bunk, he's calling it to the carpet. This is not what pleases God. Last year in New York City, they busted up a a major drug ring. It was actually run by a big Jewish family. And here's the thing that was interesting, as they had undercover police who were infiltrating this drug ring, is that as they were trying to deal, and they were dealing everything, cocaine and they had everything under the sun, and people were dying left and right because they were overdosing on these drugs, and it was massive all throughout New York City. But the undercover police, as they're doing the reports, they said the one thing that was really interesting when we would try to get our drugs sometimes, it was that we say, oh, no, we're closed now. We are honoring the Sabbath. And so come and pick up your drugs at these certain hours because we're honoring the Sabbath. And God's going, are you kidding? You climbed your thousand stairs, you honored the Sabbath, but you're killing people with drugs in your, in your community? And you're replacing that which God demands of us with your washing of your hands? I mean, that's how silly it was, right? And absurd. And God's doing a heart check on us. There's no greater religious peril than identifying religion with outward observance. How is a man's heart towards God and towards his fellow man? That's what he wants from us. That's what he longs for from us. And yet men were depending on their own man-made ideas about what God said. And so we, we, we know God said this, but we want to kind of define that and how it's going to play out. And now this is what it looks like, this thousand steps towards righteousness. And so we keep forcing on the people, climbing the stairs. And we ourselves and the Pharisees, as they climb the stairs, they get to the top. And when they get to the top, you know what they receive? They receive their crown of judgment. Look at me. I climb the thousand steps to righteousness. I've done it in my own strength. I am so proud. And now I receive my crown of righteousness and judgment so that now I can come down from my high place and tell Ted that he has not washed his hands properly. He is not close to God. And I think the heart check for all of us is do we do this sometimes? as followers of Jesus, to one another. Do we all of a sudden become the judge of whether or not Ted is clean or not? Do we decide what your Christianity should look like and the traditions of men? This is what proper Christianity plays out like. This is how it should look in our lives. And what happens is is we do incredible damage one unto another as we become the judge who's climbed the thousand steps of righteousness. Blaise Pascal said this, Men never do evil so completely and cheerfully as when they do it from religious conviction. Isn't that true? We think in our hearts that we are good, and yet we got so many rats in the cellar, and we won't take a look at it. Well, how does this play out for us? in the church? How does this play out in how we we come and draw near to God together? What are we seeing? And what are some things that maybe the Lord is asking us to take a look at in our own lives? 
as we continue to live in community together and as we continue to follow Christ together. You know what? I praise God for traditions. Traditions are, are wonderful in the way that maybe you grew up in, in church and, and uh, things that you had. Traditions are wonderful. The problem is, the problem is, is when you take those traditions and then you bring them to somebody else and you say, you need to live by these traditions of how I did church back when I was 12 years old. This is the way we did it. And you need to also. Because this is proper. This will really allow you to be clean. And this is right before God. And this is one of the things we see, you know, all throughout. I've been here 25 years now. And, and it's always interesting to me, you know, just the, the seasons of certain things that are brought to the table about how we should do church. How we should come into the presence of God and what that looks like. How our worship should look. You know what? We don't mind. We don't mind good open conversation. Like maybe we should consider some things or try some different things and things of that nature. What the problem comes, again, is when we are taking our tradition of the past and trying to lay it upon this church family and saying this is what it looks like. That could come from the way we worship. You know, again, we, we, and this is, I think, with every church, but you, know, you don't do enough hymns or you don't do enough new songs and, and your tempo is wrong. You know, we need to have a more somber service because that's pleasing to God. And we need to come, you know, a lot, so a lot of times, like, what we wear. You know, what, Rod, you're the pastor, that you should have a jacket and a tie. Because that's pleasing to God. That's proper. That's, that's saying, I'm going to dress up for God, and, and it's respect. And we lay that on each other. And we look at each other and say, well, you didn't quite dress properly. I had one guy between service. <laughs> he goes, you know what, you were talking about that? And he goes, when you were first starting service... He goes, the thing I noticed is that you're wearing tan socks. And I was focused on your tan socks the whole time of service. And, and we do, we get drawn. Like, well, what's he wearing and how's he look? And, and you, get, you get basically drawn away from God. We used to in this generation, and especially this older generation, we would talk about ideas about tattoos, you know. Those who came in with tattoos, it's like, whoa, is that a follower of Christ? The reality is in today's generation is everybody has tattoos, right? And we know about your hidden ones. (laughs) But is that what a follower of Christ looks like? One who's all tattooed up? And we basically keep people out. You know, I think the the judgment can come from the other direction, which is those of us with tattoos can say, well, those of you who don't, you're kind of rigid. You know, get with it. Jesus was hip and cool. Come on. And, and again, we just lay this on each other. This is what cleanliness looks like before God. This is someone who's proper before the Lord and how it comes in. What kind of Bible we use. Boy, that can become an issue. We used to have some people who'd really struggle. We have little children who come and run up here on stage. And this is a sacred place. Children shouldn't be running up here. It's, it's, it's not holy. I mean, this, this, is, this is children should be proper and... and I'm just going to tell you straight out, there's no other place I want our children than running up here on stage and being free to draw near to God, that this place is their home and that they find life here. So I'm just telling you as a church elder, we love our children running up here on stage. Don't lay any guilt trip on us saying we're not holy in that. How we do communion, which we're going to do this morning, is this proper way to do it? 
And so a thousand steps we need to climb in order to be pleasing in our service unto the Lord. And what happens is we do damage one to another. And we break the unity of the Spirit. And in essence, we drive people away from God rather than drawing them close. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so let them do a heart check on all of us this morning. Let us take a look at the rats in our cellar and ask God for forgiveness. And let us all draw near unto Jesus because he has invited you to draw near. And he loves it when you come into his presence. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning and we thank you for your word. It's convicting to us because if we're real honest with ourselves, we know we have rats in the cellar. And we know we judge others uh, for appearance and for how they do things. And we somehow think that we're somewhat better than they are in their spirituality. Forgive us for that, I pray. Father, draw us close to you this morning. Would your Holy Spirit speak to us and challenge our hearts? Grow us up in you. Draw us, uh, conform us into your image, I pray. Thank you for this time to take communion this morning. In your precious name, amen.